I'd like to invite Jesse up. One of the key thing, one of the things that I've been thinking about from your message, Jesse, last week, it said, was that you said the key to becoming Israel is not forcing promises of God; it is being faithful to God as He leads and trusting in His timing. And that's really challenging, and um, I just appreciate that. And I excellent, thanks, Aaron. Oh my goodness, how are you guys doing? You doing well? Can we all take a big breath? about to get the word. We want to breathe in the word. I was thinking this morning as I was praying about this morning, and I had uh, in John, the word became flesh. The word became flesh. That I, I was even thinking about our role in that verse, that the word becomes flesh through us. That as we take in his word and we become who he is and his word becomes who we are, we become the flesh that is the representative of his word in this place. Amen. When the word becomes flesh, not only was it Jesus coming down in the form of flesh to become the word, we get to be partakers of that and be bringing his word to those that are our loved ones and are not so loved ones. Amen. So can I encourage you to open your heart to the word this morning? Let's just pray. Father, we come before you. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us this morning, Jesus, in some form or fashion. Lord, we want to leave here uh, more equipped more inspired, more hungry to love you, Father. And Lord, this morning we declare that there is always more in you. Father, we declare that none of us have made it, Jesus. That you always have more to bring for us. You always have more for us, Jesus. Lord, you created this world. Lord, you're bigger than we can imagine. Father, we want to see a little bit more of your face every day. Jesus, I pray that you would speak. Lord, I pray that we would have expectant hearts. Lord, I pray that barriers would come down from the weak. Lord, I pray that we would just be able to be receiving of what you have for us this morning. In the name of Jesus, all of God's people said, amen. You excited about the word this morning? I'm going to come a little bit closer. You excited about the word this morning? We We have to enjoy church. We can't endure church. Church is not one of the things that you do to like, you know, it's not penance to get through and you've, you've, you've made it through church one more time. We have to be able to enjoy church a little bit. So the, this morning, what we're going to, we're going to be doing Jacob part two. So last week, Aaron started to recap a little bit. We're, we were talking about going from Jacob to Israel, that when Jacob was born, he was given an identity that was necessarily maybe not his to have been given. And he started living up to the identity of Jacob. And Jacob meant deceiver. Jacob meant trickster, cheater. And God intervened in his life powerfully and named him Israel. And the big shift that we looked at is from becoming this deceiver, from meeting his own ends, to making sure that when he's walking through his life, how is he going to get his blessing and his purpose? How is he going to walk that out from, from shifting from him being the one to doing those things? We saw Israel means may God prevail. His name is may God prevail. So he's shifting from an identity of him using his own devices to try and get where he needs to be to taking on this new God-given identity, this new God-given purpose of Israel to be, to, to be and to see God prevail. And so we're following on in Jacob's story and, and the title of the sermon this morning, Mel, you can leave that slide up, is Long Distance. But as always, I like to introduce with a little story. I was thinking about my poor, poor children, and that as they grow up, and they, if they ever happen to find any of these recordings, I think they're going to be very upset with me, because I share all of their business. 
And I share all of their idiosyncrasies and all of their little the bits and pieces. And last week we shared about how um, Bennett chooses some really weird uh, choices for his, his, his viewing pleasure. He walks, watches all these like fearsome animal documentaries that we have to turn off. But this morning, the story is again about Archer and Bennett. And it's just a brief one. But one of the things that they love to do is they love to play the we. Do, do, do you know what a we is? So a we is, um, it's, it's a game, it's a game console, and I didn't play very much games growing up, but the Wii is one that I really enjoyed. This is a very active one. So this isn't one where you just sit and you hit the buttons. The Wii is one where you have the controls and you have to do the motions of whatever is going on. So there's dancing games, and then the, the ones that Archer and Bennett like to play, we have all these different sports games. So you can go and play, play ping pong, and uh, Bruce Billing likes to come over, and he sits in my living room, and we play golf together, you know. Um, it, it's, it's really fun, and Archer really enjoys this. But, but Bennett loves to play the Wii. The thing that Bennett doesn't know is that his controller doesn't have any batteries in it. So he has a phenomenal time. He is going to town, you know, and, and he will get really, really upset with us if he doesn't get his controller. So when Archer starts to play, and we will even reinforce this and encourage him and say, you're doing a great job, Bennett. Great hit. You know, great, great slice, whatever it is. And, and you can tell that Archer feels pretty good with himself. And usually, I've told you, they, they fight quite a bit over, the, uh, over lots of things. Archer's never fighting to get Bennett's controller. Because he knows that thing doesn't have any batteries in it. He knows that thing doesn't work. He, he doesn't want that controller. But Bennett really wants it. And so... The, the, the even funnier thing to, to Angie and I is that Archer, as much as he thinks he knows what's going on and that he's got this, this like, heads up on his brother, most of the games he's playing really wrong. He, he's losing at most of the games, but he, he's getting some sense of them. There's this one where you, you have to chop things. So if it's a, a piece of fruit or a chair, it's just this thing where you chop. And, uh, and he chops it. And he feels so good once he slices through it. But the, the purpose of the game is there's arrows pointing which way you're supposed to chop. And he's, he's doing it any which way. And, and he just, we say, yes, you did it. And he's on the easiest setting that you can possibly set it on. The thing that I want to talk about this morning and the thing that I think is revealed in this next part of Jacob's story is this idea that when we walk into our purpose, when we discover who we are, when we're trying to be all that God has called us to be, it is not a one-time isolated event where you've made it. There is always more to be found in who God is. And just as you feel you've reached that bit where you know enough or where you're settled enough, you're limiting yourself from what God wants to do in you and through you. And you won't be able to see the promises of God fully realized in your lives. There is always more in God. There is always more. And we're going to look at that in Jacob's story this morning. I've, I've broken his story down just to make it a little bit more chunkable into, into three different phases of 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 how Jacob is discovering and walking in his purpose. We left off, remember, with Jacob getting this new identity of Israel. He's now just become Israel. And so what we want to look at this morning is, is how, because I think oftentimes we leave 
the, the big journey is to discover who am I, God? What do you want me to be doing right now? And if we kind of find this generic thing of what he wants us to do, and if we stop there, I would submit that we're still kind of like Archer. We're looking smugly at the person that doesn't, their, their control, you know, they don't have batteries in their controls. But I think God is always wanting us to move up those different levels. And I, I've, I've kind of seen three different levels in the story of Jacob as we move out of here. And the first level I've called, and you can call it whatever you want, um, I've called it establishing establishing. So this first level that I want to look at is establishing the God-given purpose that we've been given. We've seen Jacob turn into Israel, so he no longer is functioning from a, a wrong identity or from an identity that others have given him. Last week, we talked about the conclusions that people make about us and the conclusions that we make about ourselves can often shape us to who we become. If we get through the hurdle of, of really getting to the core of who God has spoken to to you who you are to be. That's not the end of the story. And it's not a one-time event where you get prophesied for and prayed for. It's not a one-time event when you just have a revelation from God of who you are and who you're called to be. There is an ever-going, lifelong journey of walking in and fulfilling your purpose. One of the things that I love that Bruce Billington says, he says, if your purpose is big enough for you to achieve in your lifetime, it's probably not a fully realized God-given purpose. This morning, we're talking about long distance. What is God developing in you over your life as a a form of who he's calling you to be and what he's calling you to do? The first level I'm going to call is establishing. So we pick up the story. Just do you remember Jacob was on his way to see Esau, his brother, after many years of not seeing him. And and Esau is coming to to him with 400 other men. and, And Jacob is terrified. Jacob is really scared, but he has this encounter with God where he wrestles with the angel and he gets renamed to be Israel. And so where we pick up the story is Jacob and Esau finally come together. And Jacob is still a little bit tentative as what's going to happen. But I love this. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. The first thing that I think Israel realizes in his new identity is the grace of God. That when we're walking in who God has called us to be, what Jacob was expecting from Esau was fear, and what he got was grace. I think there's always unexpected grace for us as we walk in the security of who God is calling us to be. I think that's kind of the first, this this is just the first little inkling of what we saw. But as soon as, he is, as soon as he experiences God's grace, life happens. Has, have you had some life happen? I've had some life happen even recently. Life happens. And I think one of the things that we have to see is any of us, I think, can walk in who God's called us to be when it's sun shining. And when, when there's no problems on the horizon and when there's no challenges, I think all of us can walk pretty confident and, yep, this is who God's called me to be. But when those challenges come, when the trials come, that's, the, that's the, the forming ground of who we are to become. And so I, I'm not going to go in depth into it because it's, it's a tragic story. But Dinah is the daughter of Jacob. And she gets taken by one of the, the local, local princes. And, and he has his way with her. And he wants to marry her. But he's already had his way with her before he wants to marry her. And he comes to the brothers and Jacob and he says, Can I marry your daughter? I'm in love with her. Give, give, me, give us your daughters and we're going to give you our daughters. And, and they're furious. But there's a couple of things I wanted to look at. 
the sons of Jacob, unbeknownst to him, go to them and say, listen, you, you can have our daughter and you can have our sister Dinah. You can marry her if you love her. But you have to, you, have, you and all of the other men in your village have to become circumcised. And you have to become as us if you want to do that. And this is the worst prank in the entire Bible, I think. And, and when they're the most sore, the sons of Jacob go in and they kill all of the men in that village. And they plunder their entire city. And when Jacob hears about it, he's furious. He said, what have you done? We're only a couple of people. You're going to call down all of the other inhabitants around us that are these guys' friends, and they're going to come and get us. There's just two things I wanted to point out in this section of Scripture. And I don't have time to go into it. But do you notice how Jacob's children are starting to walk out the calling of Jacob and not Israel? They're starting... The Bible says that they deceived the men. They're starting to protect, and I'm not saying they deserve justice. That's not the point. But remember, Jacob's issue was that he was trying to get the promises of God in his life through his own device, through this identity of Jacob. And now we're seeing the sons repeat what the father had done. The only, I don't have enough time to go into it, but don't underestimate the things that you pass on. It's not just going to stay with you. I imagine Jacob thought, well, this just might be the way that I'm going to do it. But he's passing that legacy on to his sons. And we're going to look at the new legacy that Israel passes on. And the second thing is Jacob is afraid. He's afraid for his life. Fear is often, for Jacob, has been this indicator of when he starts to get tricky. Fear from not getting the things that he feels God is going to give to him, where he starts to take matters into his own hands. So we need to look really carefully at what Jacob's response is at this, at this scenario that he's been given. Remember, what it, old Jacob would probably trick his way out of this situation. So it's really important for us to look and see what's going on here. Jacob is fearful. What is his response? So it goes on to say, God said to Jacob, arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away your foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods and the rings in their ears. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Terror from the cities fell upon them, so they didn't pursue them. We see that Jacob immediately has chosen the opposite of of fear, and he goes directly to the source of God. And not only does he, he go to God, but he obeys what God has told him to. This is really significant because I think oftentimes we walk through the things in our life, and, and I love what I think even Aaron said it. We need to invite God into our problems. I don't know about you, but when problems come along, that's often the time when we navigated ourselves and then we go to God afterwards to say, I'm so hurt by what happened. In the midst of your trials, in the midst of what you're going through, you have to go to God there to see where is he guiding you. Jacob is truly obeying God, but but here's where I want to suggest that he levels up. This is where he gets some batteries in his we. He not only listens to God, he not only obeys him and moves and God protects him and takes care of him. But look at this. He told all of his family to put the foreign idols away. Why did that strike me? 
We talked about Jacob's in his 90s at this point. He's lived his entire life with other gods in his household. The practices of worship for other gods other than the Most High. Jacob, when he was renamed Israel, didn't all of a sudden become the perfect person. He didn't all of a sudden completely develop into who God was calling him to be. That there is always more in this journey of God that we have. And I believe the, the, the putting the batteries in the we, if you will, was Jacob going this extra step and getting rid of all of the gods that they had in their house. And if you go back in the story, one of the, one of the main reasons they have the gods in the first place is his beloved wife, was the one that took, she stole the gods from, the, um, from her dad. That's not a great, you know, it's not a great gods to have stolen ones at the very least. Powerful, powerful alignment of what I think is the next level. The whole thing of what we're looking at is that there is a progressive changing of who we are in transformation. God calls us from glory to glory. And as such, if we know that there's more, then we need to be looking for more. As soon as we're content with playing with the Wii with no batteries, we're going to stay playing with the Wii with no batteries. Can I encourage you to, to think of what that looks like for you? What does this progressive change look like? So level two, I said that I believe he leveled, leveled up. So, so my, my uh, naming of this next level is solidifying. That Jacob has gone through this process of being established in who God has called him to. And this next level is him solidifying the call of God on his life. Because this is what happens immediately after Jacob does this. And he obeys God and he, um, and he gets rid of all the gods in their house. God appeared to Jacob again and blessed him and said, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Hold on. Didn't that already happen? Why is it happening again? There is more to be found in who Israel even means. There is, there is this next level of what he's going to. And I think we can be called something and God calls us up to something. But until we start living in that, he can't reveal more to us. Dennis Peacock has this teaching in some of the SLT training that, that Bruce Billington runs. And, and it's this idea that you're going to keep getting the same tests over and over and over and over. And until you're able to get through what God is currently giving you, you're not going to be able to go past what he's giving you. So if you feel like you're stuck in a certain place, maybe you should take time to feel, God, what is the thing that you're actually wanting me to come through? Because there's progressive levels of what he can have you do as you learn and grow in him and his purpose for you. When we're talking about purpose, we don't mean one little one word thing that describes who we are. We're saying, what is God wanting to do in you as someone created in the image of God on this place that we call planet Earth, as Bruce Billington loves to say? What is he calling you to do? We're not to be space fillers. We're to be taking over the kingdom. This morning, my prayer was, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. That doesn't happen by itself. That happens through the salt and light that he has called us to be. And as we're delving into this idea of purpose and what God has purposed in each and every one of us, we want to stir something that starts to get us hungry for what the next level is that God is bringing us into. 
We want to continue to be renamed and solidified into who God has called us to be. If we keep playing down the things that we think we're going to do and we're not, we're not owning who God is calling us to be, we're not going to be walking into those things. But your, Israel shall be your name. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. He says things in that prophecy that he's never told him before. He gets told things that he's never heard before. You haven't heard it all. You haven't heard it all even about yourself. As you step into who, who Israel is for you, if you step out of Jacob, be encouraged this morning that you haven't experienced all there is to experience. There is more joy, there is more peace, there is more freedom than you currently know about. The heart of God is longing, I'm going to spoil my story later, but to come further up and further in. To come further up and further in into what he's calling for you to be and to do. Just as we thought we're coming into this safety net, I think, of who God's called him to be. Israel's now renamed Israel. He's really Israel now. He's really walking in the things that God has for him. And you know the very first thing that happens? His beloved Rachel, she dies. The first thing that happens, this is his beloved. Is this not striking to you? That as you're walking into the things of God, is there another opportunity for Jacob to turn back to Jacob in the fear-based identity of who he was? God has just... He's just given them new things of who he is. He said, I'm giving you a new aspect. He said, kings shall come from you. Referencing even the highest king that Jesus was to come from their bloodline. But immediately, the first thing that happens is that Rachel dies. But I believe that Jacob ushers in the new level with his response to this circumstance. I don't know what your response would be to this, but my response I would have to think long and hard about. But I love what Jacob does. Do you know, Rachel dies as she's giving birth to Benjamin. But do you know what she wanted to call Benjamin? She wanted to call him Ben-Oni, son of my pain. Because she knew, the Bible says she was wasting away even as she gave childbirth. She knew she was dying. And she called him Ben-Oni. But what what Jacob does, he says, no, no. I'm not going to call him Benoni. I'm going to call him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Rather than giving this boy a legacy of being son of my pain, I'm giving him a legacy of son of my right hand. Because Jacob is now connected to the identity that he has that God may prevail and not Jacob. Beyond what he can see, even though his beloved Rachel has just died, he's not choosing to give into fear to shape his purpose and the purpose of his family. But he's allowing may God prevail to shape who he is and where he's going to go. That was a powerful testimony. Don't allow pain and fear to shape the direction of your destiny. Don't allow pain and fear to shape the direction of your destiny. 
the level that I've, that I've entitled that I think Jacob did by responding to that test, I've called leading. And this is the final one, leading. We see Jacob truly enter into this new level after naming his son from pain to right hand, getting the bigger perspective. And the Bible immediately goes to, to list. Now the sons of Jacob were Reuben through Benjamin. The 12 tribes of Israel are finally all here. There is a new season for Jacob to be the father of the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes weren't even complete yet. There's a completion. Do you see that there's this next level? There's these things that are continuing to be added to him at this age. And then it says, And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Hebron. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. And Isaac breathed his last. And he died and was gathered to his people old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Truly the mantle has been passed to Jacob to be leading his family. Because Isaac was still alive, so technically still the patriarch of that family. Isn't it amazing that there's always a step that we don't know what's coming, that we don't see where God is always giving more of who we are. And we see that even at this age of what Jacob said, he's still realizing different elements of who God has called him to be. And, and even right now, as we're a multi-generational church, have you given up on some of the things that you think God has spoken into your life and your heart because of your age if you're too young or your, or your age if you think you're too old or if you're in the middle and you just think I'm too busy? I think there's always more regardless of what age. But stir your hearts to see what is God telling you and what is he bringing you into? And happy birthday to Neil. And I just get excited to say, what is God even bringing you into in this phase of your life? There's new and more always. You know, from the youngest one in here, I don't know who the youngest one is right now, but maybe uh, Riss's, Riss's baby girl. But the things and the promises that he has for every single one of us get me so excited. If I will stay on this topic enough, I'll start crying as I look at each person to see what I, I, I could see God doing and moving in their lives. My encouragement to you today is to not give up on going further in and further up in what God has got for you. Amen? The story of Jacob, as we're looking at how have people walked in and discovered their purposes, is this story of long distance. My heart's cry is not for us to burn out in a year's time when we don't think we've seen what God promised us. I don't want to, I mean, I, I will get emotional for this. I don't want to see one youth, I don't want to see one young adult walk away from the church. Not because the church is anything special, but because we're the bride of Christ. I don't want them to walk away from the freedom and the life that we have in Jesus. But we as a church have to continue moving further up and further in to show them what the journey looks like. That there's always more in him. That there's always more to be done and more to become. It's not always about doing, but who we become in him. Bruce, Bruce Billington's always telling me, he's like, Jesse, slow down. This is a marathon, not a sprint. I love, I love those words. They've, they've echoed in my heart for a long time. He's been telling me that. I've, we've been here over two years now. He's been saying it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Can I encourage you that it's a marathon and not a sprint? I talked to my dad recently. He was a marathon swimmer. And I asked him, I said, hey, I'm, I knew I was going to be talking about this, this sense of long distance with the story of Jacob. And I said, what are, what are some things that, that you can tell me about swimming a marathon? He said, well... 
I can remember one time swimming in spot for 20 minutes while he was stuck in a current out in some ocean somewhere. He said, I can remember it being very boring and very dull, never ending. That in a sprint, it's done and over like this. And I think when, we, when we're talking purpose, when we're talking walking out who God wants us to become, we often wish, okay, I want the transformation to have happened now, and why am I not just seeing these wonderful things? It is a marathon and not a sprint, and sometimes you might be swimming in the same place for 20 minutes or for a couple of years. But can I encourage you that the current will stop and that there is more beyond the horizon? I love... I, 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 I saw a quote this week from Bill Gates, and he said, people overestimate what they can do in one year, and they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. I think it's so true that we limit ourselves to what we can do in the long term. And what, what I see in Jacob's story is not one of quick transformation. What I see is him walking in his purpose over a lifetime, with God constantly intervening, but as, as he got the clue of who he was Really, in Israel, may God prevail. He started to make these steps in levels. He started to put the batteries in the Wii. He started to come up to medium and to hard. And he started playing the games right. And he was slicing it the right way with where the arrows were going. And I wanted to leave you this morning with with, uh, one of my favorite authors. And I love him and I talk about him way too much. is C.S. Lewis. But this passage is from The Last Battle. It's, it's the, the last book in the series of, of the Narnia series. And it's this picture of, of when all of the characters have gone to heaven in, in the book. But there's, there's just such a beautiful principle, and he does it far better than I ever could. And this is Lucy um, talking to, to one of her dear old friends. And she says, I see now this garden is like the stable. It is far bigger inside than it was outside. Of course, said Mr. Tumnus, the further up and the further in you go, the bigger everything gets. The inside is larger than the outside. I see, she said, this is still Narnia and more real and more beautiful than the Narnia down below, just as it was more real and more beautiful than the Narnia outside the stable door. I see a world within a world, Narnia within Narnia. Yes, said Mr. Tumnus, it's like an onion. Except that as you continue to go in and in, each circle is larger than the last. I think it's such a beautiful picture of what I believe that C.S. Lewis is talking about the idea of heaven. That it's not just this thing in the clouds, but there's always more to experience even there. When we get there, we're just not going to have the fullest expression of who God is. There's always more to be found in him. We have an eternity to find the riches of what that is. But I believe that heaven starts now. That when we say, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, means that we get to begin that process now. And what I believe, that as we're talking about finding who you are in God and walking the life that he's purposed each of you to live, this is us beginning the journey to heaven. To saying, God, I want to see you work and transform me fully now. I'm not going to wait for then. And to do that, there's always more. It's always further up and always further in. It is the journey of our lives and the sum of our experiences. It's not an isolated event. Transformation happens over the long term. It happens through obedience to him over the long term. But it's this long distance race. And so I invite you this morning to come further up 
and further in. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, we just, we bless your name today. Jesus, we want to be unapologetically passionate for you. Father, I pray that there continues to be a stirring in this place and beyond for a passion for your name and a passion to see your glory recognized in this city. Lord, we continue to speak to barriers around this place, Father, and around our homes and around our workplaces. And Lord, we want to kick them in for you, Jesus. Lord, we pray that your glory would burst out of the people here, Father, but that comes from accepting the identities that you're giving to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that there would be hope in this place. As Aaron opened up the meeting, that there is hope. Jesus, that there is hope that you are going to see to fruition the things that you've promised to each person here. Lord, that you are transforming us from one degree of glory to another, not for our own benefits, Jesus, but that we can see your glory here. Father, again, we pray for our friends and our family members. Lord, I pray that there would be a release and a sound from this place, Jesus, where they would be impacted by the work that you're doing in us. Father, do significantly your work here. Father, we declare your kingdom come and your will be done in this place, Jesus. Father, let there be a release of whatever we thought was binding us back, because the only thing binding us back is not being obedient to where you're leading us. Father, we bless your mighty name. We recognize you to be the author, the Alpha, and the Omega. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.